2: day and welcome to The Call, 10 stocks picked by you, two experts, one hour. It is Wednesday, the 22nd of November. I'm Andrew Gagan. Good to have you with us and our two experts on the show for today. Michael Wayne from Medallion Financial and Sean Cartwright from Anadara Asset Management. Welcome to both of you gentlemen. Um, of course, overnight, we we're all eyes were on uh, NVIDIA uh, on Wall Street. You know, it's the last big major, of course, one of the magnificent seven to report. Um, Michael, what, what did you make of uh, that result and, and what do you think that does to overall sentiment uh, on Wall
1: Street, perhaps whether that's going to flow on this side as well? well um, it's not one that we do hold, we do have clients that have some direct international positions. is not one I only caught the glancing headlines just my reading this morning. It was a, a result that exceeded sort of analyst expectations, but it's been one of these companies that is very, very expensive. Um, and there's a lot of expectation fit into that price, so it needs to really you know, deliver a knockout blow every time it reports numbers just to keep justifying the market's hope. Um, but look, I, I think the reporting season in the US hasn't been too bad um, by any means, but we have seen a lot of analysts revising their analyst expectations lower, and that does play into to market sentiment somewhat.
2: Michael, unfortunately I've just been told that you don't have a microphone on, therefore, probably what you just said has been missed. <laughs> we'll try and get that sorted. Uh, sorry about that. That's all right. <laughs> we'll get that we'll get that sorted in the interim. Uh, all right, so Sean, what what's your take on what you saw within video? I mean, Michael was saying that you know it's really gotta outperform every time. Yeah. It does, it manages to do that. Um, And of course, there is that story about the Magnificent Seven. Yeah. Uh, Do you see that as sustainable, given how well it's done this
0: year? No, um, I I don't. I think all the graphics um, chip makers, um, they've really outperformed. And I think they're overvalued on the back of the AI boom, because you need the processing power that these chips put out. they did hit a knockout blow, but I don't see it sustainable. And I see a lot of downside from here. maybe not a lot, but I see downside risk from here, especially when something is as overvalued, in my view, as mm. Nvidia. Um, it is good for sentiment, especially this time of year. Um, everybody keeps talking about a, a Santa rally and all this sort of stuff. And I think what happens in the US certainly does flow into our market. So um, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know what to make of it. I it's not something we hold or follow. We do observe just because they have so much weight in the indexes. Um, but yeah, I, I wouldn't be taking too much from it for our market.
2: Yeah, all right. Well, uh, Michael, now you have the mic on. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna get a quick, uh, re- you can reiterate what you said yeah. there, just as I uh, you're sort of pretty much concurring with what Sean said. Oh saying. yeah,
1: absolutely. Like it's not one that we hold, we do yeah. pay attention to it just because of the, the headlines that it does grab. This result was, decent, by all, by all accounts, better than the analyst's expectations. And the problem is the market's got very lofty expectations, uh, even more so than the analysts. So it does really need to keep delivering to, to justify the lofty valuations that it's on. But it's hard to put new money to work on something that's you know, as expensive and has run as hard as NVIDIA.
2: All right. Well, let's, uh, that's, of course, uh, what we're seeing uh, in uh, stateside at the moment. Let's uh, focus locally and the uh, first five stocks we're going to take a look at. TLX Pharmaceuticals, Ordinate, Car Group, XRF Scientific and ProMedicus. Our stock of the day is Webjet. It is out with its results posting a first half FY24 revenue of up 39% to uh, 244 million, underlying earnings up 41% and four year earnings expected to be between 180 and 190 million with the company saying earnings are expected to significantly exceed pre-pandemic levels taking a look at how uh, the market has reacted to those numbers uh, today. Well, there we can see the um, overall uh, rundown of uh, what I've just uh, spoken of there. And yeah, look, not not a lot of movement, uh, to be honest. There you can see um, it is slightly in the green. Sean, I guess the point is that it's business-to-business segment has reaccelerated, but it's soft on the Mm. business-to-consumer side. How are you looking at Webjet at the moment?
0: yeah um look it's not one that we follow um but we do keep our tabs on the travel sector in general um i i think with something like webjet i think there is the performance on the market today is reflective of how the market views this thing which is fully valued um i do agree that uh travel sentiment it's where we keep hearing in the media that we're at full capacity we're having issues between. Qantas and the Australian government uh, with allowing additional capacity to come in and because we are at full capacity, margins are a lot higher than what they normally are for the airlines. I I think that we're probably going to see additional capacity come in over the next 12 12 months and I think the margins will end up being compressed. Um, As far as Webjet, I mean, I'd probably sell just because I think there are better opportunities out there. Maybe not in the travel space, but um, yeah, it, it's not something I'd be looking to take a position in.
2: I think I might have last time spoken uh, about Flight Centre with you. Is that a similar yeah. opinion? It, yeah, I have the yeah. same view,
0: um, yeah. the same view, and I think you raise a really good point. The B2B with Webjet um, and Flight Centre for that matter seems yep. to be okay, but the airlines are doing really well now at attracting the consumers directly. Um, especially with all the sales that they're offering and mm. they're, they've gotten really good at their uh, direct-to-consumer marketing, so.
2: So given that re given that, um, reacceleration in the B2B segment, then what about like corporate jet, would that be a decent plan? Um, corporate travel, I should
0: say. Yeah, so again, um, I've got a corporate account with a few of the airlines and the discounts they offer exceed those that you can get through these large travel providers if you if you spend enough on travel. Uh, again, I think the airlines are doing a good enough job at getting a slice of the corporate travel. And I think based on the, the sort of discounts that I'm seeing, I, I think it's gonna be really hard for Webjet and Flight Center to continue to win that corporate, um, those corporate accounts.
2: All right, okay, so you got to sell on it.
1: Yeah. Michael, what's your view? We actually hold a very small position in our managed fund in Webjet. Um, we have we wrote it all the way up, all the way down. We're kind of waiting for today's update to make that decision. And there's nothing really in this to say sell, and there's nothing really in it to say buy either. Um, it's a business really of, of two parts, as you say, the consumer-focused part, and then the, the webbeds, which is the more business-to-business side of things. And it came out of COVID, um, in a very strong position. In fact, it continues to win a lot of market share in that corporate space. Um, so, look, it's a it's a business that we think has a lot of potential, um, but we are a little bit concerned, obviously, about the the consumer side of the business if things do continue to slow down on the global standpoint. I think the market might be a little bit disappointed that the dividend wasn't reinstated, and although they came out with very you know strong guidance in terms of growth numbers, they were actually a bit below a lot of the the analysts in the market and that also might be disappointing people a little bit. So it's probably one we'll have a good review of and then make a decision on. Um, But given it's only a small position in the fund, we've been tempted to hold it just to ride it out. It's not overly expensive by any means. However, there are mounting challenges starting to emerge definitely in that consumer space. So happy to go a hold for the moment. Okay.
2: That is uh, Webjet, our um, stock of the day. Actually, just while we're on it then, um, as well, I was Sean there just with the other ones then. Yeah. yeah I mean, how, how does Webjet place, you know, with the likes of corporate travel and, and flight center? It's,
1: it's definitely preferred over flight center. Yeah. Um, flight center is very much consumer facing still. They have tried to build up their corporate side of the business. They are trying to you know, adjust their business model somewhat away from all that bricks and mortar that they've historically had. Uh, but that's an ongoing process. So we're concerned about that corporate travel. Has been a, a great performer over a long time, but it is again a challenging environment post COVID. Corporates are, you know, starting to travel again, but maybe not to the same extent. Um, and it's look, it's a good quality business, but it's not one that we've looked into in recent times. So I'll have to get more up to date on that one.
2: Fair enough. Okay, let's move on to the stocks as picked by you. The first one being. Uh picked by Peter Attilix Pharmaceuticals. Uh, it is uh, in the commercial stage of a biopharmaceutical company. Look, it's focused on diagnostic and therapeutic products that particularly using radiation treatment for um, prostate, kidney, brain cancers and other rare diseases there. And it's well, 11% quarter on quarter revenue growth in the past result there in the, uh, in the third
1: quarter. Michael, what's your take on TLX? Yeah, look, I mean, there's a lot of people in the market that like this one. Um, it's got a, a great sort of story playing out. It has reached the commercialization phase of the initial drug that's got to market, that Ilix um, that you sort of touched upon. Um, the next phase is the release of other treatments um, to the market. And they do have another one, it's got some weird code name at this stage called TLX250CDX. Uh, and that has the potential to deliver sales numbers as good as their existing product to the market, if not even better, according to management. However, when you look at a lot of the analyst reports on this, the market's not really attributing much value to that at all, but there is potential um, if they do get that commercialized to really boost revenue. Um, again, it's one of these very expensive companies. They've grown their revenue numbers alone by over 820%. It's obviously for a very low base. And you know, each quarter they are delivering these hyper growth numbers in percentage terms, but that rate of growth has started to slow. And the last couple of updates to the market have underwhelmed. It's not that they're not growing quickly still, it's just, again, you get these embedded optimism in the share price. And if it's a slight miss on those lofty expectations, things pull back. So look, great story. Really hope that they are able to deliver on all these things. If they can get this new product to market and have you know half the success they had with their first product, um, then there's probably upside in the share price. But you know there is a risk embedded in this, given the last two updates have been negative relative to market expectations, um, and also the lofty valuation that it trades on. So look, I'm happy to go a hold on this and a, a watch and, and wait. Um, but I'm not jumping in just at the moment, given those you know. Uh, pretty negative updates recent.
2: Yeah, all right. Yeah, it does. It's just in that space, isn't it? Sure, it tends to be hit and miss.
0: Yeah, um, so uh, my um, one of the gents on our investment committee, he used to be a biotech analyst. So we, we've had a lot of discussions about this. And biotechs are generally a binary outcome at mm. each phase of development. Um, that compound that Michael mentioned, I won't even pretend <laughs> that I, I remember what it was. Um, so it's just entered its phase three trial. For, so for those that aren't aware of how the biotech um, compound development works, it's usually around 12, year, uh, 12 years from go to woe and about a billion or more in, in, um, in costs to get there. So I agree with what Michael was saying. If this phase three uh, trial is successful, it will have a huge impact. But it's also the riskiest part of the um, of the. Uh, development program it's also the most costly because this is where you start dosing human patients and this is where you start to see whether or not there are adverse effects and so it can be really difficult to get these compounds through this level Um, I'm with Michael if you've been there it's a hold Um, I certainly wouldn't be buying at these levels um, and I wouldn't sell
2: either if you've already got it yep okay that's telex Let's move on to Ordinate. It is the uh, the global provider of uh, digital audio networking uh, technology, um, which um, is digital audio and visual signals over computer networks. It has, gee, I mean, the, the stock is looking pretty impressive in the game. It certainly has jumped again just in the past, what is it off the back of its so off July of its results, uh, made another leg up there. Sean? Ordinate, it is one uh, that has been one of those market darlings. Um, Do you like it? Um, I think it's okay.
0: So I think it's fully valued at these levels. Um, So uh, I don't know, it was probably a couple of months ago, they they released their first cloud-based product. So with this SaaS type revenue, this is where the market I think um, really started to come in and buy strong. Uh, There it is, July and August. because the revenue that comes with these SaaS-type uh, models, it's comes off a very low cost base and really high margin. And because of the market penetration they've already got, um, I think there's a fairly strong chance that they'll be able to continue to increase their earnings. Um, I don't know if I'd be willing to buy at these levels, but I'd certainly hold. I think there is upside. Um, and I think the, uh, the management team have, have done a really good job of getting it to this stage. OK,
1: Michael. Uh, this is in the top five holdings for, for our managed fund. It's a mm. business that's done very well uh, recently off the back of their August update. Basically, this is a company that has a protocol that gets embedded in all different types of electronic um, items in, and it removes the need for cords and cables. So it allows those different pieces of equipment to communicate with each other. Uh, so a lot of you know outdoor events and stadiums and concerts, that sort of thing, use a lot of these products. But many of the... The brand names that people will be familiar with would be Bose, you know, Bang and Olsen, Toshiba. I think 80% of new electronics coming to market um, embed this ordinate protocol called Dante. Um, they're growing their, they're growing at I think about 12, 13 times the nearest competitor. Their market share is obviously immense. They've recently entered the, the video space as well as the audio space, which they were in previously. Management have recently updated the market and expanded their potential target market valuations. So this is a company that is looking to grow revenue about 30% next year. The cash flows and the earnings should come in due course. They've got about 40 weeks backlog of orders. So that's pretty much next year's revenue already sort of locked in. Um, So we think there's a bit of momentum in the share price. And after consolidating for a couple of years, and managing that COVID period quite well. They've come out the other side, overcome some of those supply chain shortages. And with a couple of more decent updates, we can see this one pushing onwards and upwards. So happy to go a buy uh, on this at the moment. Yeah,
2: okay. So as you say, what are your top five holdings then?
1: you have to invest in the fund. (laughs) Uh You might get one or two others on this program today. There you go.
2: All right. (laughs) Oh, well, yeah, okay. You're throwing a clue out there. Well, I'll I'll keep a note of that. Okay, that's uh, that's ordinary. Let's get into the third stock. It is Car Group, formerly known as CarSales.com. Uh, so online automotive, uh, motorcycle, marine. In certainly in Australia, uh, also has uh, technology and advertising solutions in that space. Look, well, not just Australia, Asia Pacific. I think it's also got interests in classified businesses in South America, South Korea, and the US as well. Uh, Okay, so Michael, what are your thoughts on Car Group?
1: Car Group is close to the top five holdings Uh, in the fund. Someone's stolen our our portfolio today in the list here. (laughs) Um, No, the car sales we think is a very high quality business. It often people know it because of their online classifieds website in Australia, but they've got a large presence in North America, some of the Latin American countries as well, where they've been doing very well and making some good headway in those markets. Um, Again, you look at those key metrics, such as revenue growth, um, EBITDA growth, profit growth, dividend growth, all, you know, well and truly at 30% and above. Um, We're starting to see in Australia, the, the volumes, for used cars really start to pick up again. Uh, Prices have come down, used cars have gone up, the dealer market's been very, very strong for it. They're also looking to vertically integrate and unlock the the maritime or the boat secondhand market as well, which will be quite interesting for them. Um, There's still, you know, long-term growth opportunities for what they call their trader interactive platform. So that generates about 32% of earnings, and that's expected to continue to grow 15 20% compound over the next few years. So we think it's a, a good quality business, it's having a bit of a consolidation now, but the last you know, series of updates have been pretty strong. So we're happy to go buy on this. Of course you would. Yes. It's a right. hold. <laughs> okay.
0: Sean. <yeah>. Uh-huh. Sure. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I wish it was a top five holding in our portfolio. It's um, it's done exceptionally well, and it's out outperformed our expectations. We looked at this stock um, probably eighteen months ago. I um, know oh a bit longer when they were just getting into Chile um, and and making their move into the Americas. Um, again, I agree with everything that Mark. So,
2: had, so sorry. Yeah. Why? What put you off then at that point?
0: Um, I just thought they'd face more difficulty penetrating the Americas. I, I didn't think they'd be as successful as they have been. And I think with the opportunity they've got now with their footprint in um, in Southeast Asia, South America, um, North America, uh, and Australia, the opportunities with the advertising space, uh, insurance, um, I, I think the insurance space is a really, really big opportunity for them, especially as they start branching out into the boats, uh, the marine sector. Um, Really well-run business, solid year-on-year growth. Um, I'd be happy to go with the buy on this as well right now. I, I still see a lot of upside, and I think they'll continue to meet or exceed expectations. Mm.
2: Okay, all right. We've got a double buy then for car. Well, I was going to say car sales, but now Car Group uh, ticket code CAR. So that's one for the investment committee to consider. Our fourth stock is xrf scientific uh it manufactures markets um precious metal products uh using what's chemical and instruments for analytical particularly in the mining sector there essentially Um, operations here also in europe and north america sean what can you tell us about xrf
0: uh, yeah, so XRF's another company that we like. Um, if you believe that the mining sector, especially outside China, is going to continue to perform well, XRF is something that you should be looking at. Um, especially when you have a look, you, did, you mentioned rare earths. Um, if you have a look at the sort of incentives government are offering in rare earths now, um, companies like XRF can really benefit from this. So they're um, operating cash flow, they're positive, they're paying a fully frank dividend. I think it was three or four three or four cents. Um, if you believe that the mining sector will continue to boom in Australia, um, Europe and America, then this is something you should look at because what they've got, their technology is really, really good. And um, uh, yes, do you? Yes, <laughs> um, I, I do believe that. So yeah. if you, and this will, we'll talk about this a little bit later with one of the other stocks. Yeah. I'll go into more detail, but you have a look at things uh, that China is starting to do now with regards to limiting exports of some of their key commodities, um, such as graphite. Mm. And I start, I think we're going to start to see more of that happening. So I think mining jurisdictions like Australia are set to benefit from those type of restrictions. And I think a business like XRF um, is ready to capitalise. So we buy. At well, it's working
2: areas. both ways, isn't it? Because yeah. you've got those restrictions out of China but also the states, for instance, yeah. trying to throw those incentives to those. Companies, including Australia, to actually get into that. Sector. Yeah, yeah. Well,
0: when um, when Sleepy Joe uh, announced an increase in their bonuses, so did Albo. Albo thought he'd give away some more cash, and yep. so he doubled, I think, the rare earth benefits to Australian miners. So um, XRF will benefit from this. And I I think there's going to be plenty more upside. And as we continue to get closer to missing these net zero 30 targets, I think there are going to be bigger and bigger incentives that will help the mining industry.
2: So is that, are you liking mining services in general then as a result?
0: Yeah, quality companies like this. Yes. So there are a few that I wouldn't touch, but I think this um, this is a really good stock.
1: Michael, do you agree? So XRF Scientific this is why AusBiz is good. On this show sort of about four years ago, Andrew Page from Strawman sort of brought attention to XRF and we have been holders of this over that period and has been a very good performer. Not only you know, getting that good growth in share price, but also good growth in dividend per share as well. And it's a great example of a, a small cap that is high quality. Not all small caps have to be speckies, um, And I think this reflects that. Um, they've got basically two parts to their business. They've got the the testing equipment, which is more of a one-off transaction, um, and then once the miners, you know, purchase that equipment, they then need to purchase what they call the consumables or the acids, which are required to do the core sample testing. Um, and what's good about those acids is once they're used once on once test, they have to be, you know, tossed out and replenished or replaced. Uh, and that gets the sort of good recurring nature um, of revenue coming through. So we think it's a very good quality business. It has pulled back a long way from its highs, um, but the thematic still looks very, very good. They've just released a new um, testing kit to the market as well. And the take up of sales has been very strong. They sell a lot into the precious metal space and the high gold price should benefit a company such as this if exploration continues there. Um, So we're happy to to go a buy. Uh, It's obviously a a smaller business with with less liquidity, but we do think over time that can change. So you're happy to go buy on that.
2: Can I just clarify? Did you make a call on it? Oh, Did you say
1: buy? Yeah, yep. double buy. We're on a roll. Okay,
2: that's two double buys in a row. Uh, one there as well for XRF Scientific. So let's see if we can continue the trend. Our fifth stock is Promedicus, Medicus, uh, picked by Gabby. It is a developer and supplier of uh, healthcare imaging software, uh, certainly servicing the hospitals and diagnostic uh, imaging groups, uh, both here. North America, Europe—it's got extensive footprints. Uh, interestingly, though, just yesterday the founders, Anthony Hall and Sam Hippett, uh sold some two million shares valued at 176 million on the market, um, taking just a bit of profit there. Um, Michael, what's your view on Prometegas?
1: So this is another one. This is actually in the top five, <laughs> <All> right? Okay. <laughs> This is the most I've ever given buys. Let's so no, um, find out the other two after this. There's, look, there's, they're not all doing as well as these stocks, by okay. the way. There's a lot of other uh, companies that haven't done so well in there. But Pro Medicus, we've actually had this one for a, a long time. It's probably one of the best holdings we've ever had for people. Um, diagnostic imaging software allows very dense images to be delivered to doctors, you know, same day. Whereas in the past, you know, you'd know, you have to wait or have supercomputers to really process a lot of these things. They've done very well in the US in targeting the, the university um, aligned hospitals, which tend to have bigger budgets. And they picked off a lot of those initially, but obviously once you've picked off a lot of low hanging fruit, um, it becomes harder and harder to keep growing if you're just focusing on that particular market alone. They have slowly started to, to make the jump into sort of more standard uh, typical hospitals. And one of their recent contracts was enormous. Um, normally, the contracts are sort of seven, $8, ten million million. They delivered one a couple of months ago in the vicinity, I think 50 plus the exact number eludes uh, me right at this moment. But the key for this business to maintain their growth going forward is whether they can crack the broader healthcare market because the technology that they offer, although it's very, very good, it can be very expensive and can take time to integrate. This company is extremely expensive. It has always screamed to be very expensive, but they have made the progression you know, from a, from a sort of research and development type company. They have made that transition to being not only profitable, but paying consistent growing dividends. So there's a lot to like about the company, although we do acknowledge it is very expensive. And for that reason, we wouldn't have it as a buy. Right now, it's more of a hold. Um, the management selling down yesterday was definitely out of the blue, but. They have been selling down a little bits and pieces over the last couple of years. I mean, the two founders are worth a couple of bill each. Mm. They're not in the headlines all the time, like yeah, some other Yeah, so you're going to expect they're going to do that every this month. This is about 4% of their holdings. Yeah. So probably better for the register. Apparently, the buyers were existing shareholders that have held Prometicus for a long time. So yeah, look, it's a business that we like, although given the, the lofty valuation and how far it's run recently, we would have it as a hold rather than a buy. Yep, fair enough. Sean.
0: Yeah. Um, nine billion dollar market cap and I think um, I, I think it's fully or overvalued here um, and I think a lot of that was um, I think they mentioned AI in one of the announcements some time ago and I think a little bit of hype kind of followed it in I think you know, I could probably just by looking at the chart tell you when the AI <laughs> announcement came out um, I think they are an outstanding business they've obviously done really really well um, I won't spend too much time talking about it because Michael's covered it so well. Um, Because we think it is overvalued or fully valued here, we'd be a sell. um, And we'd look for other opportunities in this space. Such as? Um, Probably not a direct comparison, but I just saw um, former market darling Appen. Um, I think they've taken an absolute beating. I think something like that's probably got a bit more upside at this point. I wouldn't be rushing into it, but I would be, uh, yeah, I I think there's probably more risk to the downside with Prometicus now than there is upside, so I'd sell.
2: So despite, I mean, it obviously got some good contract wins there, it is expanding, uh, but still more potential as Michael pointed out, but still with that, you'd be a little more cautious. I
0: I think the market's already priced that in. Um, And I think the AI thing, I think it just became a little overinflated. you know, hype kind of talk over. Yeah, I'm
2: sort of surprised more companies don't mention AI actually because well, they all seem to boost. Well, the
0: ASX are going to crack down on all that sort of stuff, right? They started they started doing it with um, with companies that mention lithium, and if you mention lithium now as an explorer, you've got to put in a chalk table. So the ASX are really all over this sort of stuff. If you start throwing out keywords to try yeah. to get some attention, so I think companies have to be really careful about. The sort of things they put in their announcements all right
2: you just need ai to find the him for you
0: yeah oh geez wouldn't that be good <laughs>
2: <laughs> all right let's uh sum up where we've been for the first half of the show then and uh our stock of the day webjet out with its results um sean's saying look pretty much fully valued full capacity margins likely to be compressed from here on he's got a sell on it Michael, a slightly different outlook here, um, but says perhaps the market's disappointed Um, its dividend hasn't been reinstated. Uh, He does hold it there at Medallion, so he's got a hold on it. Uh, Those stocks, as picked by you, began there with uh, TLX Pharmaceuticals. And um, Michael pointing out lofty valuations, he's got a hold on it. And um, I guess both talking about if it uh, succeeds in its next step in terms of its development of its... um, by a pharmaceutical um, offerings there. Um, and Sean pointing out the, the binary outcomes you have in this space, so it's risky and costly at the same time. So both have a hold on TLX. Ordinate, and Sean, um, he's got a, a hold on it. Uh, just pointing out some increasing earnings there. Michael, a top five holding. He's got a buy on it as a result. Um, we've got a taste of some of its top five holdings yeah. in this segment. Uh, car Group, uh, formerly Car Sales, yeah, it is another one of the top five holdings there for Michael in the used car market, saying that's picking up. i uh, has got a buy, as does Sean, uh, saying it's outperformed expectations, uh, particularly he saying that uh, he underestimated their expansion, particularly into North and Latin America. XRF Scientific in the mining services space, um, Sean pointing out, look, there, it's a it's a benefit there, particularly as far as the incentives in the rare earth space at the moment. A buy, as does Michael also have a buy on it, uh, saying it has pulled back, but it is showing further promise there. And Prominicus, another top five holding there for Michael, uh, one of the best holdings he ever had. In fact, he's saying, uh, but it is very expensive. Uh, a point also made by Sean is saying, in fact, it's fully or overvalued at this point. So Michael has a hold on it, Sean would sell it, maybe look at a stock like Apple. All right, let's uh, sum up where uh, we're at, just as far as our portfolio that we're tracking is concerned. Uh, It is picked by our investment committee. The last episode of that is live for you to watch at ausbiz.com. So checking in on the update, going into this month in November, 1% was trimmed from MA Financial and added to Challenger. Checking in on its performance on a cumulative return basis, it is up 10 and a quarter percent since its inception at the beginning of March, March last year. There we go. let can see the track on that time frame. So keep your uh, sending your requests in. Keep the call switched on to see which stocks our committee is going to be looking at next. So next half of the show for us, we're going to be taking a look at AMP, BlackRock Mining, Hazer, Brookside Energy and gold road let's begin then with amp picked by sasha it is that wealth management business um one of the the stalwarts or at least used to be in a portfolio how times have changed um and uh, just recently in fact investors uh, selling uh as it uh, announced plans to open a digital bank for uh, for small business and also management warning at margin pressures were expected to continue there. Michael, you take a look at the, uh, the share price. It has been a tale of woe.
1: Yeah, it's hard to get too excited about AMP and has been for a long time. I mean, there are probably some turnarounds merchants out there or, or bottom feeders that might see some value, but I, I certainly can't. Um, It's a business that's been hemorrhaging fund outflows. The the problems have been well documented since the Royal Commission. Um, However, the problems were really there previous to that anyway in terms of um, from an operational standpoint. So they've also got this digital bank that they're looking to launch. In some sense, I think it's a, a source of funding for their banking operations as it stands, they don't have much cash at all in low interest sort of everyday transaction accounts, which means that their cost of deposits tend to be a lot higher, therefore cost of funding is a lot higher. Um, Obviously setting up the digital bank is going to cost them a lot of capex and and a lot of money, which is questionable as to sort of how efficient they're gonna be with that money and and how successful the end product is gonna be. That's obviously an uncertain unknown. so for mine, I have to go a sell on AMP. Um, I still think the financial planning network is fairly challenged. A lot of people are moving to independence uh, and it's going to be an ongoing sort of struggle for AMP. That's my belief. So for that, that reason, yeah, stick with a sell. Are you liking any businesses in that space at the moment? Um, one in the funds management space, and the all fund managers have been absolutely um, over in recent years, and it's understandable if, if equity markets are challenged, then FUMs tend to come under pressure. Um, but GQG is a fund manager trading at about 10 times earnings, um, you know, based on the trailing dividend, paying a dividend yield of about 10%. So that's at the bottom end of its trading range. They're growing their funds under the management rapidly. Um, their performance of their funds has been good, so that's probably the only one in that sort of wealth management, funds management space that we hold at the moment. Um, we do like insurers, um, I'll throw one out there, QBE is one that we hold and that we like, and we also don't mind the insurance brokers, um, AUB and SDF, uh, we only hold SDF at the moment, but we're looking into AUB as well.
2: Yeah, okay, oh, you're giving us a few to yeah, go there's on there.
1: Yeah, few, a few names there. Yeah,
2: all right. Sean? Um, so these will be top 10. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, that's a,
1: It's 30 stocks, 33 stocks in the portfolio, yeah, 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 so take your pick. Okay. Yeah. All right.
0: Um, look, I agree with everything Michael said. The financial planning and wealth management space is really, really tough. And I I, I think that legislation that came in that gave AFCA all of these powers has made it really, really tough for these businesses. AMP have been selling off little bits and pieces as they go as well. Um, and if you have a look i think at this price i think it's yielding about six percent but that's almost certainly going to come off um, it is a challenged business i don't see this being a turnaround story at all if you want to be invested in a bank which is where i think amp are trying to get back to um, I, I think there are better picks out there um, with more consistent or reliable dividends um, where i sell with amp uh, we'd If you had it, we'd run for the hills and...
2: (laughs) Run run for the hills. Yeah. Um, I see a lot more downside from here. Is it in mortal danger, do you think? Could it it be eaten up and spat out?
0: No, I don't think so. I I think uh, Michael touched on, they've still got the insurance component and things like that that are are good earning items. And I think just the sheer scale of the wealth management business will will keep them going. Um, I, I just see troubled waters ahead for the uh, financial planning especially the retail financial planning network as it is um, AMP came under a lot of fire through the Royal Commission and I don't think that um, I don't think that's really worn off and like Michael said there's a lot of independence a lot of former AMP financial planners have broken out and they're now sitting under other licensees or have set up their own shops um, and I think that will add some further pressure to AMP.
2: So a similar question then uh, to Mike. What, um, are there any fund managers that nah, you are willing to look at at the moment?
0: No, not really. I'd rather say just put your money into my fund. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: okay.
0: Yeah, no. I, it's not a space we look to invest in, um, to be honest. Um, we, we might look at a, a, a REIT or two just so that our, our investors have some exposure. Um, but yeah, investing in the other fund managers isn't something we look
2: Today. Okay. Not a good outlook then for AMP. Now let's uh, move in, back into the mining space. Uh, next one being Black Rock Mining, as picked by Amy. It's got a eighty-four percent interest in a graphite project in Tanzania, in Africa. Uh, mine life there of uh, three hundred thousand tons per annum, uh, about sixteen years. There has re- received approval from the Development Bank of Southern Africa for debt of up to close to 60 million. Um, Sean, this is a little more in your space. Can you tell us? I don't think I've ever covered this before. Yeah, Um, so (coughs) BlackRock, um, graphite
0: uh, developer. So mentioned a little while ago, um, China have recently announced that they're going to limit exports of graphite. we saw this little jump up uh, mid-October back when that happened. So mm. a lot of investors are starting to look um, a little wider now because China are the biggest developer and exporter of graphite. Um, so if they're going to put limits on their exports, it's going to bring um, a lot of value to other graphite producers or near-term producers. Um, and I think BlackRock fits that space. So. Uh, Korean powerhouse POSCO are a shareholder. And so whenever you see POSCO making an investment, we always tend to take notice. Um, Graphite, as most people would be aware, it's an essential part of a battery at the moment until uh, a different technology comes through. Graphite is going to be in demand. Blackrock is something we like, especially at these values. I think it's got about 120 million dollar market cap, give or take, and we see a lot of upside for here, especially as the world looks for new sources of graphite. Um, Where a buy?
2: Any geopolitical? I mean, so sort of, um, yeah, challenges there. The risk yeah. of being in in Tanzania.
0: Yeah. So one of the things that we do look at in our portfolio is political risk, yeah. and some of the African countries we wouldn't go near. Tanzania, I, I think. I think if it was any other element, we probably wouldn't be comfortable with it, but they've also got a South Australian um, graphite project, so um, we like it for that. We're comfortable with Tanzania um, with, this, with respect to this project, and it wouldn't stop us from putting a buy on it.
2: How, how extensive the, would they have in South Australia? Yeah. Um,
0: not yet, nothing compared to the size of the Tanzanian project, but it's yeah. got the potential to have a really, really big deposit. And I think that's where we see significant upside for this company.
2: And are there any other local companies in the graphite space that you're taking a look at?
1: We'll mention one next. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, there's another tease. Um, Michael. Um, It wasn't one that I was too familiar with, but I have been sort of following that graphite story with what's been playing out in China. and, And China's essentially said that for For national security interests, they're going to be constraining supply. Um, You're going to need to get some approval from government if you want to export out of the country. And and that's created a lot more positivity in the space after it was struggling there for for six, 12 months or so. They've got this very large asset in Tanzania, essentially needs funding for it to be brought to market. Um, Obviously, POSCO is one source of funding, the the Southern African Bank is another source of funding, but it's probably going to need to be a third, and that being equity holders at some stage, maybe sort of in the the beginning of next year, but it's a a very promising asset, and that's always attractive. Um, But you always got to understand there are definitely risks associated with getting this asset delivered on time, on budget, and then once they are eventually producing, making sure that the graphite price is going to be reasonably high at that time and all those things are kind of a bit unknown but they've got as good a potential as any um, in this country Another the only interesting ones renascore um, as well that's a south australian based graphite company with again that's a fairly small um you know startup type company but yeah i mean it's an interesting space but it does always concern us a little bit when china's behavior one way or another can have so much of an impact on the market because it's difficult to ever get a, a gauge on what they're going to do next but um, I'm happy to go a hold on this uh, with, it, with it obviously understanding the, the risky nature of it.
2: Yep. Okay. All right. That's BlackRock Mining. So to the next stock, which um, well, Sean has teased us with. So uh, Sean, I might, might actually go back to you then start with this one. Um, it is Hazer, a uh, what's well, clean tech company uh, looking at the commercialization of its what Hazer process, you had to talk about this. So low carbon emission, hydrogen and graphite production. Um, why are you liking this? Just tell us also about this What the Hazer process. What is that exactly?
0: Yeah, um, so Hazer, we, we hold it. So it's one of our, my biggest personal positions as well as a position in our fund and a lot of our clients. It's a story we've been following now and have been invested in for about four years. Um, I recently took a couple of investors as well as our investment committee over to Perth to have a look at their commercial demonstration plant, which uh, was announced yesterday that they'd completed it. So um, the HAZER process, it's it's a process that uses methane as a feedstock and produces carbon negative hydrogen. And the byproduct is 99.9% pure graphite. So they capture the carbon in the form of graphite. Mm. Um, we saw on that chart that you just had up um, that it raced up to about eighty a year or so ago. And then one of the reasons that it got sold off was there was a bespoke piece of equipment, um, the heat exchanger, and it failed twice. And so the market saw the delays that there were going to be in being able to turn on the commercial demonstration plant, the stock got sold off. So about a month ago, the company announced that they had successfully tested the heat exchanger which has now been installed and yesterday's announcement signified that the commercial demonstration plan is now complete. So why this is really significant is HAZER have, um, hazer have announced that they don't intend to go out building a whole heap of HAZER plants themselves their intention is to be a uh, licensing and royalty type company. And they've already got some agreements in place with uh, some significant um, players overseas. So Mitsui in Japan uh, for hydrogen, uh, Fortis in Canada. And I know that they've been talking to a bunch of other um, significant uh, players, both governments and um, commodities companies um, overseas. And I think they've proven that this technology works at a lab scale. And what we're gonna see in the coming weeks is that this technology works at a commercial scale. And I think that's gonna trigger a series of milestones. Um, We hear a lot about hydrogen and whether or not it's gonna be a suitable energy source in our carbon uh, zero carbon future. HAZE has got the potential to completely change the way people produce and use hydrogen. Um, And if the byproduct is a carbon Uh, negative graphite product as well. Mm. I mentioned POSCO a little while ago, so I wouldn't be surprised if POSCO were having a look at a company like Hazer. Um, I see a lot of upside from here, um, and it's a strong buy. The strongest of today, clearly. Yeah, it is. Um, Yeah. I, I think so... I don't tend to read many of the stock forums, but a couple of the guys that uh, work in our team do. And it seems a lot of the commentary around Hazer, there's still doubt that the commercial demonstration plan is gonna work when they turn it on. Um, having been out there and visited it only a month ago and seen what they need to do to prove that it works, yep. I don't have any doubts and I'm really confident.
2: What's, what's the likely time frame of that? Uh,
0: maybe today, maybe tomorrow. Yeah, like okay. We're talking right. well, we'll keep an eye days or weeks. Yeah.
2: Righto. So Michael, sure is a strong believer.
1: Are you? Um, I was struggling away in the office all morning trying to research this company. I should have, just you should asked have called sure him. Like, we put yeah. research out last week. Should. I really? Yeah. Uh, should I, I must admit, I haven't heard of this business. It's not really in our, our wheelhouse, being primarily sort of ASX three hundred. Um, but from the research I've done, it seems like a very interesting proposition. It's just whether or not they're able to deliver on this demonstration. Um, Commercial demonstration um, thing that they're setting up. So, look, I I can't add any value um, compared to what Sean has. So, I'm just going to go a whole just for my lack of knowledge on it and probably In particular, Australia
0: saw resilient
1: (laughs) demand. Someone's not using my phone reading my notes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, basically, I'm happy to go a whole. You can sometimes wait. You might miss out on the first 30 40%, but then you get that certainty that this thing will work and sometimes that gives people a lot of confidence so just depending on your risk tolerance but I'm happy to go hold.
2: All right that is Hazer and as Sean points out one to keep an eye on imminently. Let's move on to Brookside Energy perhaps a different story here it is uh, exploration production and appraisal of oil and gas projects uh, looking to ensure sustainable growth look you only have to look at the stock very thinly traded.
1: Michael Brookside Yeah, so Brookside, which is unusual really in Australia, is actually a crude oil producer, not so much gas, nothing like that, like barrels of oil um, it extracts. And I think it extracts about 440,000 barrels of oil per day. Oh no, sorry, that's not (laughs) correct. That's that area. Um, They they do like a decent number of barrels per day, but it's only a $60 million company. The energy price has been pretty volatile over the last, you know it's 12 months really it's been pretty directionless um, it's not a company that we we follow or know a huge deal about but it is a space that we do have exposure to um, we do think that energy despite the slowing global economy is set up structurally quite well in, in, for the next few years um, opec although they've been cutting back their production targets they've still been struggling to actually meet those stated production targets Um, You know, inventories around the world for for oil are quite low as well. So we do see capacity for a a bit of a boom in energy in the years to come. They are typically quite cheap at the moment relative to the rest of the market as well. So we do foresee that space being an area of value. Um, Our preferred pick at the moment is Santos. Um, It hasn't really gone anywhere for a long period of time, despite the rest of the sector doing quite well. Mm. Um, But we do quite like energy as an exposure, particularly in a higher inflationary environment. So this particular one, though, I don't know, again, a a huge deal about it. I'm happy to go a whole just because we think the broader sector, if it does well, might bring this one along for the ride.
2: Yeah. Okay. Uh, Unfortunately, the chart is broken there, but I can tell you it's sitting at just over one cent. And I was talking about Thinly Traded, Michael Corneau, a small company there, it's got as high as four cents, but that was back in 2021.
0: Sure. Um, So Brookside, I think to talk about this stock, we need to have a look at what we view oil will do over the coming years. and I've spoken uh, with Osby's a few times about our views on oil. We think it's significantly undervalued and we in fact see oil hitting all-time highs sometime in the next 12 to 18 months and we've got quite a few reasons for that. Um, we think that the net zero t- targets that we've set are unachievable. We think there's going to be a greater reliance on oil um, than what we've, we had planned. Um, and I think a company like uh, Brookside, we actually met with management a little while ago. Uh, this one came up, even though it is a micro cap and it's really spec-y, mm. um, this one came up in our screening process as something to look at just because they were a, um, a crude oil producer. And I think companies like this that are really at the specy end and thinly traded, um, I think it's, it's probably something that... I wouldn't put a, a large amount into, but I think as a speculative buy, we'd definitely be looking at it. We see strong upside here. Um, when the when and if we're right about oil going through 130, 140 bucks a barrel, we think it's the companies like these that will copper bid and have the potential to
1: outperform.
2: Well, we'll have another clue this weekend when Novik Plus meets with expectations yeah. that may well be extending those supply cuts. Uh, so yeah. interesting to see what goes beyond that. And
1: like Brookside, if you remove the cash from its balance sheet, it trades on one times Yes, yeah. not it's so nice like That just shows some of the valuations that are out there. And that's why we think you know, it's a decent area to be in, even if the energy price doesn't take off, which yeah. we think it potentially will, um, they can still you know, spit out some pretty decent numbers at today's oil price.
2: Yeah. All right, let's round out of the show in the gold space. Uh, gold Road, uh, mid-tier Aussie uh, producer and explorer, has its grew year mine in uh, the gold fields at WA, um, had a really impressive quarter last. And I see that nine out of 14 analysts are rating it as a strong buyer. So, Sean, do you agree? Um, yeah, I do.
0: Again, um, like Brookside, I think you have to have a view on gold here. and. Gold, in our opinion, it's behaved irrationally, I think, in a high interest rate environment. You would expect something like gold to have come off. Um, But you look at the price of gold and it's been kind of nudging on those highs. So when we inevitably start to see interest rates come off, we think gold has got the potential to hit some all-time highs over the next year. Um, With uh, Newmont taking Newcrest out um, recently, uh, we actually advise any clients that were holding Newcrest to sell and look for other opportunities. And I think anything in the West Australian gold producing space is a good place to be in. Um, our pick in this space is probably Northern Star because that's now the biggest gold uh, producer in Australia. Mm-hmm. But I think mid-tier companies like Gold Road, I think they've got the potential to outperform the bigger players. So, yeah, we'd, we'd be comfortable buying Gold Road
2: here. Yeah, and of course gold overnight hitting that uh, two thousand dollar mark.
1: Uh, so interesting to see where it goes from here, Michael. Yeah. so Gold Road they own a fifty percent stake in this very large deposit in WA, and it's one of the not only the largest but also most cost efficient. Um, their recent production update was was very good. The production numbers were sort of five ten percent above most analysts, whilst their costs were a lot lower than the analysts were expecting as well, which is. Sort of the, the perfect outcome for them, at least for that last quarter. Um, you've had a lot of investment banks and a lot of analysts come out and start revising higher their gold forecasts for, for the next couple of years. Um, and this particular gold company sort of fits in the wheelhouse for what we look for when looking to invest in gold companies. It is an Australian base, which we always like. A lot of their costs are incurred in Aussie dollars and they often sell the gold in US dollars. And, The Aussie dollar gold price has been doing very well off the back of a falling Aussie dollar. That's obviously recovered or bounced a little bit in recent days, but generally speaking, it's been very favorable for a lot of these businesses. Um, They do have a a number of exploration projects dotted around the country, a couple in WA, I think and one or two in Queensland as well. So they do have some decent projects in the pipeline and eventually they're going to need to deliver on one of those other projects because the mine life um, extends on this particular project out to about 2030. I think they're trying to get it up to 2032. Um, But nevertheless, you know, decent business, I'm happy to go a buy on this. um, If you want some gold exposure in your portfolio, we've had Northern Star in the past, Um, we've had evolution mining, we'll have evolution mining at the moment. Um, We don't, you know, we don't feel as though you have to hold gold in the portfolio, we don't always hold gold in the portfolio, but we think at the moment, probably makes sense to have a little bit uh, put in there, just given the geopolitical setup that we're seeing at the moment. Uh, and the prospects for recessions in the US and other parts of the world as well. So you're happy to have a buy on Gold Road.
2: All right, we finish with a double buy, another one for the Investment Committee to consider. All right, so let's sum up the second half of the show. Uh, We began there with AMP. Yeah, not a lot of joy in this stock. Uh, Certainly if you've been holding it for all these years, it's now at all-time lows. In fact, uh, as Michael points out, just continues to hemorrhage. And um, so he's got a, a sell on it. Uh, in that space, if we was looking, particularly fund manager, GQG is the play. Also doesn't mind some of the insurers, including QBE and AUB. Um, sure, i pointing out, look, it is not a turnaround stop, so don't get caught there. Uh, in fact, what was your you're saying? Run for the hills, didn't you? Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's a double sell there for AMP. Uh, BlackRock Mining. Uh, it is in graphite now Sean likes this um, particularly graphite in the story that's playing out given that uh, China is looking to limit its exports of graphite he's got a buy on it um, and uh, Michael also pointing out it's uh, looking very promising but there are risks attached to it Uh, he's got a hold on it also he's liking this space uh, uh, Renascore uh, is saying that's promising as well uh, the Australian Company in that space, uh, Hazer still with that graphite theme uh, in terms of development there, uh, production technology. Uh, Sean holds it uh, is is a very strong buy from Sean. Um, the commercial demonstration plant is complete. What they've just well, it could be days away from actually. Um, putting the, uh, the sealer on that. Uh, so he said one to watch out for there. Um, Michael pointing out, look, it does sound impressive. He's not ov- overly familiar with it. Uh, the question is, can they deliver? He's gonna put a hold on it as a result. Brookside Energy, both uh, our experts pointing out that oil looking very undervalued at this uh, at this point. Uh, and um, Michael pointing out that it uh, looks to be set up well. His preferred pick would be Santos, but he's got a hold on Brookside. Sean, he's got a spiky buy on it, and um, he thinks that uh, oil is potentially heading to all-time highs. And finally, there in the gold space, uh, yeah, the price of gold U.S. dollars uh, breaching that two thousand dollar mark overnight, and uh, Sean uh, saying, "Look, it probably his pick is Northern Star, you know, one of the biggest producers there now that uh, Newcrest has gone, Uh, but mid-tier." Uh, gold companies such as uh, Gold Road perhaps have greater potential here. So he's got a buy on it, as does Michael pointing out the low cost there, but he also likes the likes of Northern Star and Evolution. All right, that is the show for today. Thanks to our guest, Michael, thanks for joining us from Medallion.
1: Thanks for having me. You gave us a good
2: glimpse of your portfolio at the same my time. My most optimistic
1: <laughs> first five stocks ever yeah. on the call, And yeah. I've been on here a fair bit now, so <laughs> it's, right, better, a lot.
2: You, you let your phone go, so that's why, how we get some insight into exactly <laughs> yeah. what you're holding there. And Sean Cartwright from Anadara Asset Management. Thank you. Thanks for that. Particularly, a pointer in regards to graphite, one to watch out for. Or, like any stock you'd like us to cover, you can go to osbiz.co forward slash callpicks or you can tweet us at osbiztv. Stay with us. The pulse is up next.